Our first lesson for this weekend is from the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? He said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. The Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We can. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, think on me and purge away my sin. From worldly passions, set me free and make me pure within. Amen. After these two readings a day, I just wanted to ask a question at the beginning, namely, have you ever imagined yourself meeting God? And if you have or if you do, I don't know quite what that looks like in your mind. It's something that I think may be hard to think about. And if it is, I think that's probably better than if you have some definitive picture in your mind of just, you know absolutely exactly what it will be like. Uh, because undoubtedly, it will be different from that. Today, we heard about two encounters where men met God. And these encounters take place hundreds of years apart. Their reactions, though, are very similar. And you might think, well, you're cheating because the two men are the prophet Isaiah and the apostle Peter. And that maybe because they have such exalted titles, their reactions would be different than ours. But even if that were true, and I don't think it is, but I don't think that that makes their reactions less what we should expect. In fact, it probably lends credence to how they reacted in that moment. And one thing that both of them undoubtedly felt and that we undoubtedly know and believe is that God is good. And by that, I, I don't only mean morally perfect. That's certainly a large part of it. But God is good in all senses of the word. He is the one who made us. He is the one for whom we are made. He is the good one, and he makes things good. And so, by definition, being good is good. So there's a way in which you would think that, therefore, if you are in the presence of God's perfect goodness, what more could you want? And after all, if you don't like goodness, what else would you settle for? And wouldn't it surely be inferior? But whatever you might have expected about being in the presence of God's goodness, both Isaiah and Peter cry out as if in fear at the recognition of God and his goodness. And so you see that it's different. Being around things that we like, things that we call good, is clearly a different experience than being around the goodness of God. Neither Peter nor Isaiah confuses helping an old lady across the street or sitting down to a holiday meal with your family, both of which are good things, but they do not have the same reaction to God's goodness as they do to that kind of good thing. No, their instant reaction is almost as if they had touched a hot stove. Woe is me, for I am undone. Depart from me, Lord. For I am a sinner. 
And I want to look a little bit further at Peter's statement for a second because I think it reveals something that is true about more than just Peter. Because Peter asks Jesus to depart as if that wasn't the right place for Jesus. And this is a feeling I think is rather prevalent today. Peter, at that moment, and I think much of the world, thinks of this world as our rightful place. But that is only correct if you are thinking that God is the one who put us here on earth to live. If that's not what you're thinking about, it is wrong if you somehow construe it to mean that the world is our place, the place of humans, a place where God is out of place. And yet this is clearly what many people believe. Atheists and unbelievers simply say that God is not in this place. But I think there's also some kind of idea in many minds that, that God is out there somewhere, and he may look in here from time to time, but that this is really our space. And even him looking in kind of bugs us in a way. We think that we should be able to do what we want within limits, but that God should really only interfere in our business if and when we want him or ask him to. And so we mark off specific times like Saturday evening or Sunday morning, and we said this is where we're doing the God thing. We will give him that bit of time, and then the rest is ours. And we kind of think this naturally, and, and we, we don't see that by rights it should be otherwise. Psalm 24 begins by saying that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Right? The earth is the Lord's. Likewise, in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 6, the seraphim sing, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now Isaiah is in the house of God. He's in the temple, so it wouldn't be right for him to say that God should leave. You notice that Isaiah leaves the first opportunity he gets. Peter, on the other hand, is in a boat. His boat, doing his job. Note that Jesus even interferes with Peter's work life. It wasn't off limits. And then when Peter tells him to leave, he doesn't. And there is, I think, there a little bit of a rebuke to this idea that Jesus should leave as if he weren't fit, as if he were in the wrong place. No, 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 no. The earth is the Lord's. He goes where he wants, when he wants. And Peter does correctly identify the problem. He says, because I am a sinner. Likewise, Isaiah cries out that he is unclean. And also see there that the idea that Isaiah talks about is not only an idea of sin, but that sin has made his lips unclean. Sin has made his people unclean. That Isaiah, in his person, was unclean. It was not good because of sin. You see that in spite of the sin, in spite of Peter being a sinner, Jesus does not go away. And in Isaiah 6, the Lord does not go away. 
Instead, one of the seraphim touches Isaiah's lips with a coal to take away his sin. And instead of going away, Jesus calls Peter to follow him here on earth. And this is a following that doesn't end when Peter literally follows him physically from Capernaum to Jerusalem or something like that. Peter would follow him the rest of his life. The earth is the Lord's. He belongs here. It is proper. It is fitting for him to be here in a way that it is not for sinners. I mean, the scriptures make it clear that God is not going away. Rather, he comes to call sinners. Already, even before Peter or Isaiah confesses it, God is aware of their sins. And he calls out to them by his word. He calls them to repentance and forgiveness of sins. He calls out to you for your repentance and your forgiveness of sins in order that he would begin to make us fit to live with him and to live with him eternally. He comes to remake our eyes and our ears and our bodies to see and hear and do correctly. His glory fills the earth. This is a statement of fact. And if we don't see that, then we do not see correctly. His word goes out to the world, and if we do not listen, then we hear incorrectly. Sin has affected our eyes and our ears. Because what is unfit in the world is sin and the corruption that it has brought into God's world. So God sends his son to do something about it. He sends his word out to do something about it. God is not backing down. He's not going away. Instead, he wants us to be remade. He wants us to be changed. And he does this by his word, which as we see in the Old Testament reading, doesn't only mean nice things. It always means good things but not nice. If by nice, we, we mean pleasant. God tells Isaiah to go and preach until cities are laid waste, until the land is desolate, like a tree that has been chopped down. And he says, from there, from that stump, God will work his good work. Likewise, you are called to, called to follow Jesus your whole life here in church, out in the world, in your home, in your workplace, And when we listen to his word, we are cut down. We are brought to repentance. But then we are forgiven that we may follow him. And it is a good word that does this to us. It is a living and active word of God. It cuts down to raise up. It is fearsome. And yet it also brings you the peace of God, which passes all our understanding but guards and keeps your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus forever. Amen.